it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In this league, Podcast Network presents Prospect One, the Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One, with your host, Chris Welch. This is the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast, Prospect One. I'm your host, Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh and all the stuff we're going to be talking today over at InThisLeague.com. Tell you about that here in a minute. Today on the episode, I've got a great one in a series we are going to be doing in December. I've got two guests, Eric Cross from Fantrax and all the podcasts and all the stuff he does, plus Scott Green from Prospects 1500, the purveyor of Prospects 1500. Both are joining me for a very specific reason. We, If you saw the title of the episode, you already know. We are breaking down... The P180Ps, and we're going by league. This is League One. Four leagues help create this system with industry guys, people in my Patreon, a lot of active drafters as we were uh, going through this entire process. And each week, we are going to go through each league, and I'm having the guys in those specific leagues join me. So Eric and Scott were both in League One. We're going to be breaking down their team construction, some of the unique things that League, League One did to the ADP. They, were, they had some of the highs, they had some of the lows, and just talking about some prospects, it's a big, good, deep dive into the entire thing. Both Red Sox fans, so Marcelo Meyer, Tristan Casas, get ready for that conversation. But two good guys in the industry, we're going to be talking tons of prospects here, and we'll be doing it all month long. If you would like access to the Prospect 1 ADP, the top 200 ADP system, you can find it at InThisLeague.com. As well, you're going to be able to find my top 500 prospect list, Dynasty. There's other ways that it's sorted by like team. There's first-year player draft ranks. All of that is available on our Patreon. And a brand new month is upon us. So once we get there, there'll be an update most likely next Monday. That'll be the update to the 500 and the Dynasty and whatnot. But the minute you sign up, on that same sheet, you're going to see the top 280p. It's all sorted out. You can see by where they went each league. You can see how much variance there is because we are going to talk about that because there's some really interesting guys in that, you know, in three leagues, they went around the same spot, but then like one league, they just plummeted and that can kind of adjust and it can change some of the values. And this is all about, you know, what the market is for a certain player, maybe what the trade value exists of. And it's a little bit more helpful because, you know, as you can see, one guy go 90 in a league might go 50 in another. So just by focusing on one singular draft might not tell the whole story. But, you know, again, sometimes you might just care about only an industry based draft. You might want only the industry guys doing it. Um, You might only care about one certain person's rank and that's okay. But the idea behind this was to have just a volume of information and for us to kind of calculate and see what it looks like. You can get access And when you're doing it, you are supporting me. You're supporting Prospect One by supporting us on Patreon. There's lots of other stuff there. Um, We've got football content. 
We have got group me rooms. We've got secret shows. We've got live streams. We've got a Christmas special. We're doing very beyond what I do here. It's it's more of the other side of in this league, a little not safe for work, a lot not safe for work that we do. Uh, our Christmas special and the secret shows are there. There's a whole universe, but you can only care about the prospects and support that if you'd like. Just go check it out in this league.com. It'll take you to the Patreon. And I would appreciate if you did that. So we're going to get right into the episode. We're going over an hour here. Tons of prospects. Tons of stuff that you're going to want to know with a couple great voices as we go back and forth of League One in the P180P's breakdown with Eric Cross and Scott Green. And it is happening right after this. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Say, I like you. I like you so much I'm going to make you my partner. All you have to do is find the gold and I'll share it with you 50-50. Prospect One. Joining me today on, it's not really the hot seat, but joining me today on the Prospect One ADP breakdown for League One, it's my guys. I got two guys. Uh, We had multiple industry people in this draft, as I said, but joining me on the podcast, we've got Eric Cross from Fantrax and Scott Green from Prospects 1500. If you're watching on the video, Scott was like running to get back. That was (laughs) great. I love the, that's, that's why the videos are fun. You get the behind the scenes. Eric Cross from Fantrack. First up, Eric, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much. Long time no talk, but I know. <laughs> yeah, it's been three days, two, three days. <laughs> this was, and no C. I, I love. Uh, we got to hang out during uh, first, first, uh, not first. Yeah, no, first pitch. I'm very confused with all the Arizona Fall League stuff. Uh, we got to hang out in person for the second or third time. It was uh, got to do the live podcast, and then I was just on uh, the Tool Shed this past week where we had a good discussion. And on the podcast, uh, I think it's been just a tiny minute for whatever reason, he is Scott Green from Prospects 1500. If you type in a prospect's name and you are like, you know, prospect list, the SEO is very much in Prospects 1500 favor. You will see an article from them come up and Scott Green is a purveyor of all of that. Scott, my friend, what is up? How are you, Chris? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you mentioning the SEO. We work hard on that. I mean, I'm telling you, you type it in, there's a few things you're going to get. You're actually, you two are kind of like some of the SEO owners. You type in like <laughs> ranks list, you're going to see prospect. I'm going to do it right now. Watch this. I'm going to go, <laughs> let's see, uh, D-backs prospect list. And I'm going to almost guarantee, obviously you're going to get MLB, prospects 1500, fourth on the list. And I'm actually surprised I'm not, I guess I would have to put, I'm going to do prospect rank list and then this is where eric's gonna come and watch everybody play real time folks yeah i'm doing this real time this is how i run right there third on the list fan tracks hq you bastards and all of your seo <laughs> and your madness you guys are front page but guess what that's why you make the big bucks and that's why you're on with me today where we're going to be rolling through 
Uh, some of this P1 ADP, as everybody knows, prospect ADP, uh, it's my third year of doing it, where I get industry people and I get really smart prospect people that um, they're extra smart because they're out here supporting me on uh, Patreon at InThisLeague.com, but they're just like really involved. And that's a way to do it. You want involved prospect people. You want involved mock people if you're going to do it. Uh, this is a way also to not just hyper-focus on a list. Everybody, unless you're really in tune, everybody's got their own process. Uh, Scott and his crew, Eric, myself, everybody's got their own process. That may be how you want to do it. But my end goal was to take all of that together and create this fun old ADP where you guys can have all the smartest and best in the industry create a value system for your prospects. And today we're going to be breaking down League One. Uno, in that league, we have, who do we have? We had Scott and Eric. I believe we had Jeff Pontus, who I just yep. got to hang out with Jeff right before, or right actually after he got hired. I was in the interim period. He was like, he'd got hired publicly, but he wasn't starting. And he was out here in the Arizona Fall League still doing some stuff for Prospects Live. And then let me pull this up. Does anybody else know who my other person was? You have a bunch of your uh, Patreon members. Oh, and uh, Alex Juicy. Yeah, Jensen. I was Alex Jensen was on. Alex, there. that's it. That's right. Alex Jensen. So I had Alex Jensen, Scott Green, Eric Cross, Jeff Pontus, as far as the big industry guys. And then we've got a bunch of the Patreon people in here creating what was uh, just an awesome setup. You guys killed it. And in the episode today, we're going to be going through what kind of the top end looked like. Specifically also, probably my favorite thing about it, where you guys kind of helped create the ADP, some of the highs and the lows that came from your league. And there are some names in here, maybe plus some debates, uh, some first-year player, and some surprises people might not be aware that are outside the top one, uh, that are going to be inside the top 100 as far as ADP goes overall. You guys can find these wonderful gentlemen on Twitter at Scotty ball game, Scotty underscore ball game for Scott green. Uh, you will be able to find all the links to prospects, 1500 stuff. Scott also does. He has an affinity for cards like I do and hobby based stuff. So you can follow him there. And of course, Eric cross zero four on Twitter. Did I get it all right? Did I get the things gentlemen? You got the things. Okay. We got the things. Anything that we need? Well, I guess we could talk about it at the end. We'll talk about it at the end. Anything you guys got going on? Uh, let's get into this specifically. Now I, I will open this for, if you would like me to go through it, or you can list off your players um, if you have it in front of you. Scott, let's start with you. I want to first look at your individual teams, and then we're going to go through. Do you have your team up I that do. you want to list it off? Okay, list do, off yes. your... Uh, we did 15 rounds. I should have also said that, by the way. It was uh, 15 rounds, 12 teams, which created a top 200. So these are Scott Green's 15 players drafting from, I believe, the 10-hole, 11-hole? 11. 11-hole 11 11. out of 12. Okay. Let's hear and, and I will uh, preface this by saying I learned a little bit because when I did it last year, I was filling in different positions thinking that I needed to fill out a fantasy roster, sure. which a lot of people I realized didn't do that after the fact. So this year I just took for me the best available players uh, that I believed, you know, I wanted to put onto my roster. Yeah. And that's how we wanted it. That's exactly how we wanted it. So perfect on that. So let's hear those top 15. All right. So uh, first round, Robert Hassel, second round, Corbin Carroll, uh, third round, Jack Leiter, fourth round, Nick York, fifth round, MJ Melendez, sixth round, Aurelvis Martinez, seventh round for me was uh, Jean Kensi Noel and eighth round, Yuri Perez. 
Then I went to ninth round Juan Yepes, mm. Matt Brash, 10th round, Curtis Mead, 11, Camilo Doval, 12, Victor Acosta, 13, Stephen Kwan, 14, Louis Varland with my final pick. There's some good buzzy players in there. There's some AFL guys that me and Cross were seeing not too long ago. Juan Yepes. I think Yepes is actually specific. I was just on... Um, uh, the Rotowire podcast with James uh, breaking down the end of the AFL season just last week, if people haven't checked it out. And, you know, we were talking about some of the players that rightfully or wrongfully are going to be boosting up. Juan Yepes specifically is one of those guys. There's a lot of buzz, a lot of offensive output, but you can see like kind of how high he's going. But you've got, you've got Yepes in there. You've got me. Those are some interesting ones. Scott, I'm going to ask you this, and then I'm going to go to Eric. Give me your, maybe your two favorite picks of your team and the two that you, I guess, like the least in your team construction? Because you got a lot of values in here. I think it's going to probably be hard for you to find your least favorite picks of your team. But give me your two favorite picks. Uh, it doesn't matter what round it is, a value, where you got it, just your absolute favorite, and the two you like the least. I will say this. I took five pitchers, and I think that's a lot across the board. Great point. There a lot of teams that maybe had four, three pitchers, some even with only two. Um, but I took five. I, I wanted to have a little bit of a two-thirds hitters, one-third pitchers balance. I think my favorite pick is Nick York at 38th overall, round four. Um, and I, I'm a really big believer in MJ Melendez after the year he had, getting him in round five at 59 overall. I think those are my two, my two favorite picks. Ones that I'm not so, so sure about are, I'm looking back at it now, Matt Brash. Uh, 10th round, 110 overall. I, I really liked what he what he did this year, but I probably could have gotten some other other value there. And this is just a kind of a shot in the dark, although he's getting a little bit of helium lately is Victor Acosta in round 13. Oh, I love that Victor Acosta one. So um, Cross, taking a look at this, uh, you know, let's focus on this for a second because that's a really interesting point that Scott brings up. I'm pretty big on that team construction as far as pitching goes. I was actually pulling this up as we were talking. I'm going to guess if I can get to my team real quick. I don't think I took more than two pitchers in this because I'm not super big into, um, as far as building minor league system, having heavy pitcher construction or even like early costs. What do you think about the one th one third pitcher um, uh, build cross on Scott's team. I, I don't mind it. I, I wouldn't go more than one third. Like I've always kind of thrown out the 70 30 number hitter to pitcher ratio. So, um, though I'm kind of more 80 20 at this point. Yeah. I took, uh, looking at my team, I took four out of 15. Nice. So you're kind of, you're kind of right there with them. You guys, yeah, so I'm, I'm only, place. yeah, so it, it's not bad. I, yeah, so I wouldn't go. When, when you get close to like 50 50, I think this one starts getting a little more yeah. risky, but two thirds hitters and above, I'm fine with. Oh, you know what I want to do? This is something I'm going to look up now. Uh, I'm not going to have it for this show. I want to look up and see what team had the most pitchers drafted. I think that would be an interesting exercise because I don't think it's a lot, especially if you could balance both sides. If you can go and look and see how many had, you know, only two or one or none. I had two pitchers I drafted in mine. By the way, not bad on the low cost. I took Emerson Hancock and Matt Libertor were my two pitchers that I invested in in this, and the other 13 were hitters. Um, Cross, when you look at Scott's team, give me the two prospects it can be because you love the prospect, where he got them. Give me the two you love the best and the picks you like the least of this team. 
So, well, I loved his start of, of Hassel and Carol. Oh, That's this absolute fun. Fo- it made me kick- sick when I saw it, by the I way. Know. I was like, are you kidding me? Hassel I'm, I'm and myself. Carol? I should have went Hassel with my first pick because I've since moved Hassel slightly ahead of the guy I took at first, which is that pick nine, two picks before Scott. I also love the Nick York pick. Obviously, as a Reds, fellow Red Sox fan, I'm very high on Nick York, what he showed this year. Love the Yuri Perez pick. That was absolute five. Him a good 30 or so spots higher than where Scott got him in my rankings. And uh, Victor Acosta, too, I think is a great pick. You know, one yeah, of the, the like younger, high upside on the rise guys. Um, in terms of picks that I didn't like, there's nothing that stands Again, out it's not, to me. It's not, it's, it's just being picky. This isn't like, right. oh, I hate this. But this is being picky. It can be about, you know, like we said, you took five pitchers. You know, he didn't like Brash or whatever it is. But just try to be picky here for a minute. Uh, maybe Matt, Bra- Matt Brash does stick out to me as well. And then maybe I'm not quite as high on Stephen Kwan as others are. So I guess that would be my other Same one here. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I take a look at this, I have to echo. I absolutely love the start of Carol Hassel. I think that would be a premium start in drafts. If you don't have like one of the top picks and you can't get Julio or Bobby Witt, of course, being able to walk out of any prospect based draft to have those two is premium. I would bet you it's probably top 10% or that's probably the top 10 best start of all of these drafts. Again, maybe something I'll go and take a look at it. All of the first two round starts having Hassel and Carroll is my absolute favorite. So when I was on RotoWire, let's expand on him. Just this guy for just a second. Uh, James and I, I'm not trying to be picky about this, but I could, James definitely would have loved to chastise me about Nick York. Because what we talked about, um, one of the things we did at the very, very end was we took a look at the ADP and he picked out some players that he thought were buy lows and sell highs based on my ADP. Again, this is not me. This is all of us. This is four leagues of 12 different people and each one drafting. And based on the ADP, one of the guys that came up was Nick York and thinking that he was a buy high guy right now because I believe his, let me take a look at where I'm completely forgetting right now. His ADP ended at let me type him in york 30 he was a 30th overall prospect in the adp if people want to check it out and he went uh a lower obviously here in this draft but his idea was that he's still a buy high because i think james has him in like the 20s or something like that and I kind of disagree because I think I described him as like the the porridge, you know, with the three bears. Like, it's just right. I think this is just right. Like, yeah. York has taken a, he, it's a helium rise. Offensive potential looks fantastic. Uh, a lot of people were, uh, you know, the Red Sox should be praised by, you know, their scouting department and getting him as late as, and getting him how they did. And this looks like a really high-end offensive profile, but I think there's still some question marks before he becomes a 20th overall prospect. So, I thought if any, I don't think he's a sell, but I think he was just perfect. You guys both seem to really, really like him. And obviously, Scott, you got him at kind of a deal. But like, what is the upside? Let's start with you, Scott, on York here. You know, you got him later. He's 30th overall in the ADP. Do you think we are building in plenty more upside and we've only started with Nick York? Or do you think, hey, man, 325, 14, 13, 14 homer, 13 season, uh, 13 stolen base season, like that's a decent barometer of who he might be, which might cap him, by the way, around a 2020 guy, which is amazing and fantastic. But what's the upside on uh, Nick York to you, Green? Upside, I would think maybe similar to Dustin Pedroia numbers. I mean, he's got some pop. Mm. He's going to hit for some average once he... He, uh, he gets comfortable uh, when he's up there in the majors, whenever that is. 
Uh, I'm going to go with what you just said. It's kind of like porridge. It's just right. I, I, yeah. I was thinking about taking him, you know, if it got to me in the third round and he was still there. Uh, and then I passed on him and I got him in the fourth round. I do want to say this. Part of my draft strategy, uh, knowing who was drafting with the 12th pick right after me at the turn was Jeff Ponce. So I did sometimes think about, well, you know, what is he going to do here? As you and should, it, as you should as a drafter. And, it, and in the first round, when I took Hassel and then Carroll right after that, you know, Jeff took Volpe and Shane Boss. So if Volpe had fallen, I'm taking Volpe instead of Carroll. I wasn't taking a picture there. I wasn't taking Shane Boss. So I did want to mention that that was part of my strategy and a little bit coming the other way because Eric took a pick, two picks before me when it when it came back to me. So I, I was kind of thinking about that going the other way too. On strategy. And strategy is super important. And that's, you know, because these lists can be looked at two different things. Like James Anderson likes to use this. And I, again, use them however you want to use them. Likes to look at this as a good barometer of value for your prospects. Let's say, assume a lot of people already have your leagues done. You want to know where your guys may be view in the uh, public eye. This is a good value chart, but also there's something that's in play with these, which you shouldn't take, you know, numbers too, too to heart, like too crazy is that you have people are strategy-based drafters. You go in and you look at the person two or three behind and you think, Hey, can I do this? I did this to cross in the episode I just did with them on Toolshed, where we were doing a first year player mock. I had James Triantos a couple notches lower, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to escape multiple picks for him to come back. So I jumped my board. I do that all the time. I jump mm -hmm. boards. We all jump boards. It could evolve some of these players' values. But so cross with York again, I'm dealing with, I am in Red Sox. I'm a Red Sox sandwich right now. I'm dealing with two big Red Sox guys. So obviously, and not even just a homerism standpoint, because I get homeristic about the Diamondbacks, but you know, you guys are Red Sox guys. You guys are tight in. You both love Nick York, but how far high on the upside is it? It's a beautiful swing. He hit for power early on 14 homers and like just under 400 at bats. He stole some bases, which is great. An over 400 OBP. This is a fantastic start to an early career, which he went through two levels of the minors. And it's pretty like age appropriate too. 19 years old. He went to a, and he went to high a, he didn't struggle at each, but I look at him and I go, okay, how far off are the differences between him and a guy like Bryson Stott, who I just spent lots of time seeing. I love Bryson Stott. I think he's going, I, I think people want to minimize that offensive output and think that it could not be here. But remember, this is the minor leagues where you're still evolving as a player. He's evolving as a power hitter. Give me a, tell me the difference between York and Stott, because there's a massive gap, offensive gap and value gap between those two. Nick York is one of the hottest offseason bats and Bryson Stott is hot, but He's not that, I mean, you said on Twitter the other day, I meant to ask you about this when someone said Weimer or Stott and you went Weimer and I just, I flipped over a table when you <laughs> did that. I freaked out. So talk to me about Stott versus York in your eyes. Well, first off, that wasn't a uh, anti-Stott thing. That was a how much I freaking love Joey Weimer thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you go about York versus Stott, there's not a big difference. I think power speed, like that total power speed package, I think is going to be pretty similar. Um, but where I give the edge to York is I think he's a hit for a higher average. Uh, Stott has a, a solid hit tool, probably above average, but I think York could have a real chance to be like an annual 300 plus guy. I love that Scott brought up Pedroia because I've, I've made that kind of 
comparison as well. And, and that's a lofty comp, you know, anybody, it's a big comp, man. Anybody, especially, especially for us, Red Sox fans, like Pedroia was a potential hall of fame type player that got limited because of injuries the last several years, obviously, but you know, batting titles, MVP rookie of the year, just the heart and soul of the Red Sox along with Poppy for a good decade. So we, we don't throw around the, uh, the Pedroia comp lightly, so that, yeah, it really speaks to how high we are on, on Nick York here. But yeah, I think it's just a better hit tool. I think the, I think Fenway really, really suits York's profile. Well, That's a great point. Right I can there. see That's it. A really good point right there. Really just pepper in the monster with doubles 20, you know, low twenties Homer guy putting some balls in the gap out to the, uh, the triangle. It's really just u- utilizing Fenway Park to his advantage. So yeah, I love York and Fenway. Okay. That's a really good point. I mean, listen, the thing I give to York here is exceptional return in you know his first pro season i mean exceptional like coming off yep. of the pandemic and going two levels as a teenager hitting 300 across the board not a major strikeout guy showed power i mean everything checks the boxes he is a check the box guy but that's why i think around 30 is a solid uh range so yeah, i guess i guess i'm breaking news here um just the song just... thing no, Jeff Passan, oh. right-hander Michael Walker and the Boston Red Sox are finalizing a one-year contract. Oh, you get out of here. The Tigers yeah. are talking. Oh, we're recording this. This is a couple days before this is going to air. The Tigers <laughs> are talking to Javier Baez, and that might happen. And you're yeah, they're talking Michael to him. Walker, get out of here. I didn't say I was excited about it, but it just what, happened. What am I supposed to do with you, Red Didn't Sox we beat guys? him up in the 2013 series or something? Like yeah, that? we did. He's not the – I don't know what we're – Hopefully it's just like a uh, Phil the Martin Perez long relief spot start role, but yeah. we'll see. Hey Chris, just a really quick note though on New York and and Stott, the ADP though has to be so far away. I mean, the, if the players aren't that far apart, but the ADPs are so far apart. Yeah, I mean, so Stott, Stott in our league went in the eleventh round. Yeah, you know, we're gonna have a focus on him uh, later in the episode, but uh, York thirty. Stott 94 on the ADP. I, I can guarantee you the next round I do, Stott's going to jump at least 25 spots. Even though we're going to be accumulating all of these drafts, he will still jump up. But that's a massive jump. That's a three times differential between those two right there. And if we say that they're relatively close, not in value, not even remotely close. Now, am I advocating that you go trade Nick York for Stott? No. But am I saying, what if you got Stott and then another prime prospect? You know, I'm not talking to you guys. You guys aren't going to trade York. But, you know, if you've got, if you could get Stott and let's say, you know, a high-end pitcher, or what if you could get, just taking a look here, what if you could get Stott and uh, Aaron Ashby right now? Would you trade Nick York to get Stott and Aaron Ashby? Let's ask you first, Cross, because you said they're kind of in the same range. Or is that not enough? That'd be that'd be pretty fair. I'd, I'd, I'd be, especially if I was a win now and, Team and Ashby could help me now. I'd, I'd entertain that for sure. What do you yeah, think, I like Scott? Deal. I like the okay. deal too. All right. Uh, so, yeah, going back to this, I think you guys hit all the main points on Scott's team. You know, I mean, I love the Carroll pick in the second round. Uh, I think there's some really good value picks. The ones I, if I had to dislike something, I don't know, maybe Juan Yepes in the ninth, but I still like him a lot. Louis Varlin, maybe at the very end. It's, it's, it's hard to pick apart these in general, but there's some really good ones. So, let's go. Can yeah, I yeah, say one, one more thing about my team? I sure. Just, I had to bring this up. In the 11th round, I took Curtis Mead. There's one guy that I really wanted to get, and I said, all right, I'll take him right after the turn in the 12th round. Uh-oh. And that's when Jeff took Vinny Pasquantino. And I'm yes. thinking that if I took Pasquantino, I could have gotten Curtis Mead probably so. in the in the 12th round. 
that's the only time that happened to me in the draft. And I was kind of bummed, but you know, still uh, great players here. Vanny Pascatino, we're going to put a pin in that, and we will be talking about him here in just a little bit as well. Eric, uh, 15 players you did to construct your team. If you've got it up, let's hear your bad boys. I do, and I had the ninth pick here, two slots in front of Scott. I started out with my boy. Everyone knows Zach Veen. I'm actually, I've since bumped Hassel one spot above Veen, so I kind of wish I took Hassel in hindsight, but tomatoes, tomatoes. Um, Second round, pick 16, Marcelo Mayer. Third round, George Kirby. Fourth round, Sixto Sanchez. Fifth round, at pick 57, Jose Miranda. Sixth round, Brett Beatty. Seventh, Colton Kowser. Eighth, Joey Weimer. Ninth, uh, Mick Abel. Tenth round, Trey Sweeney. Then the last five rounds, Greg Jones, Joey Bart, Owen Casey, Peyton Battenfield, and Richie Palacios. I like that you took Bart. I feel like everybody is so out on Bart. and I, I think Prospect he- fatigue. Yeah, he is. He's a massive. I mean, I've been preaching about the prospect fatigue going into this year, the amount of prospects that everybody are out on because they came up and didn't do a whole lot. There's going to be values through the freaking board on guys like Key Brian Hayes and maybe Bohm will get there. There's just a lot of those guys. And I think he could be one of them because I think he has like no value anymore, which I like. So. Ross, same thing here. Give me your two favorite picks uh, the, of your team construction. And then two that, I don't know, maybe you wish you could take back. Maybe you didn't like. Maybe you got sniped. Maybe you wish you had done something different. Two you like, two you don't like on your team. Yeah, so outside of Bart was one, but I'll go two different ones here. Uh, I really liked getting Brett Beatty at pick 64 in the sixth round. And one of the AFL standouts. Just a great, you know, uh, contact, power, profile. I don't think he's that far off of a, a Josh Young, who I'm sure your ADP was probably a good 25 spots higher, uh, especially even in this draft. But oh, yeah, yeah I, I really like Brett Beatty a lot there at 64. And the other one, one of my second, the last pick, Peyton Battenfield, pick 160. Just love his profile. Good mix of pitch, uh, mix of pitches, great command and control in Cleveland. Like he's the type of arm that Cleveland loves and the, I think the type of arm that we could see just really vault, continue to vault up. He's already vaulted up rankings quite a bit here. Um, but with Cleveland's tutelage, I think he just could be got a maybe not makes a Shane Bieber type of, of breakout at the major league level. That's you know 99th percentile outcome, but I think he could be a very very good major league arm. So uh, I think he, if we did this again, you know, mid season, you know, in 2022, I think he'd probably be, yeah, you know, 75 spots higher. I, I think that's really possible. So yeah, those are my two favorites. It's possible, yeah. Two least favorites. I already kind of mentioned one. I love Zach Veen, but I think strategy-wise, I might have been able to get him in the second round because I know I'm a lot higher on Veen than most are. So I think I kind of jumped the gun a bit taking him nine overall, even though I do love Zach Veen overall. Yeah. Uh, The other one that I kind of didn't like, even though, again, like this player a lot, just the way that pitching was going, I probably didn't need to take two pitchers in my first four picks. So I guess Sixto Sanchez is the other one I kind of have a little bit of regret on, even though I'm still very high on Sixto. I probably could have gotten another bat right there and then waited and taken another another pitcher later. So I guess those, those would be my two. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't think I disagree with that. You know, funny, I want to mention on Sixto, you say that. Um, I, I wasn't going to – this is actually going to probably be more of a conversation for the next episode of League Two, but he, he here's his range. Here was Sixto's range in the ADPs. 39 was the high. 92 was the low. Whoa. <laughs> but, but 92 was so astronomically different than the rest. 
you had 3940 and then another in the 40. So you took him in the general range, but yeah. that's why these ADPs can be important. It also shows you that you get in the right group of people, someone's out. So that's what's so fascinating about the process of this. Three leagues, three le 36 people were in the same general range as you within five picks, 12 separate people not having it, not having it into the 90s. So that's a really, really interesting one. Uh, Scott, same question you get to kind of dissect the two favorite picks that he put together, that Eric put together, and then the two maybe that you don't like as much on for whatever reason. I really like Jose Miranda in the fifth round. He took Miranda two picks right before me. I probably, <laughs> you were cursing him. I, yep. Well, I wasn't <laughs> cursing because I had a nice fallback, but I probably would have taken Miranda there. Uh, Henry Davis went right after he took That's a good um, pick too, Miranda, yeah. but then I took MJ Melendez. Had Miranda fallen, I probably would have gone there. So I really, really think that's a great pick. The other one I, I like that he got was, um, oh, where is it? I just had this written down. Um, uh, Owen Casey in the 13th round. Yes. I think that's great value. Uh, 153 overall. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that could be like, you know, he could be, close to top 100 value and you're getting him there, you know, within, in the 153 range couple that I'm maybe not so favorite on are his, he, Eric brought it up. Uh, the two pitchers right there in round three and four great pitchers. Um, he took George, George Kirby. Uh, I was taking Jack lighter anyway. So um, I was, I was, you know, happy when you didn't take lighter and you took <laughs> Kirby there. Um, and then Sixto Sanchez right after that, I hope Sanchez bounces back is is dynamite. He's electric. Um, I, you know, probably would have, I spread out my pictures a little bit. You took a couple right there together. I really love the uh, Kowser pick. Uh, I've become a big Colton Kowser guy. So seventh round, I thought that was really solid. I, mean, I like Kirby. I just don't like the early pitching. I agree on Miranda. I thought Bart and Casey were solid. Um, I know what you're saying on Battenfield. It's interesting how it's probably like, I don't actually hate where you took him. But then when you talk about how he could go much so much higher, I'm not 100% sure if I love it. I love the Weimer one in the eighth, though. You know, Weimer's so fun. He's a nice guy. He's party in the front, or he's with business in the front, party in the back with the big old mullet. Uh, I hate his setup. Uh, I mean, you guys got to talk to him. He was one person I really wish I had talked to out here. Um, I just don't love the all the business that's going on. It's wild and it's crazy. He's got the bat speed to hold up for it. But again, you, you pick apart these, you look at the rounds, it's, it's hard to pick apart any of these, you know, like most right. of these seem and feel like values at the end of the day. Uh, let me ask you guys a quick question and then we're going to kind of dissect a little bit further. What did you feel as far as uh, the competitive nature of, of drafting with these were, you know, did you feel like, man, people are on it. Did you feel like you were just left and right getting your guys and deals? I mean, how did you feel these drafts went in general? Eric, let's start with you. Yeah, no, there's a lot of smart people in this draft. Even though I did get a lot of the guys that I wanted, like most of the guys I did pick were, you know, I have ranked higher than where I got them, but I got sniped several times. I made the mistake of, I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was a, at least a few times throughout the 15 rounds where I'm like, all right, now I could probably wait on this guy. Let me go with this guy. But then, you know, that guy ended up going within the next, do like, you, you know, have one, do you have one guy you wish you had got Eric? Could you tell me like one guy, like if the first one that pops to mind, like whether it was you got sniped, you just missed out, but was there one guy you were dying to get on your team in here and it just didn't work out? Um, off the top of my head, I can't really, uh, maybe 
Maybe you got like uh, Gabriel Moreno. I'm super high in Moreno or Reggie Preci- uh, Reginald Preciado. Both went to uh, B. Welch, 21, whoever that is. Um, then another one that on, on his teams, this guy did a great job, Matt Allen. I was hoping would fall to me as I'm so super high in Matt Allen. thought I can get him for a yeah. solid discount due to the injury, but he, not really. <laughs> uh, Scott, so same thing. Like, how did you feel about the nature of the drafting? Do you know where, cause I think it's important. Like, did you feel it was competitive? Were you taking advantage? And then the same thing on that guy that you really, really wanted. I felt uh, both ways. I felt it was competitive. Guys knew what they were looking for. Some guys surprised me going as high as they did. Uh-huh. I got a lot of the guys that I wanted, but then I was kind of questioning, wow, some of these guys, um, have fallen so low and i'm like thinking you know what are all these other other guys thinking what do they know that i don't know what's happening our our league i think though was one of the slowest moving drafts now (laughs) Mm -hmm. that might have something to do with you know what research was being done how long people were taking i don't know if that comes into play or not but uh something that i noticed yeah. Was there a guy that you were just desperately wanted? You were kind of talking before, like we talked about the Vinny Pascantino. Was that the one? Was there like, that's who did the you, one for that's me. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, your league in general kind of uh, exemplified some of the highs and lows. Let me, I'm actually going to move my list around because I, I did want to talk about what the top of your guys's league looked like, but I actually want to highlight where this league won. And this will give us a chance to talk about some certain players where you guys were the highest and lowest of any of the leagues on specific players. And let's actually start with the highest. You guys had two players inside the top 10 that remember, I don't, I'm not just dictating every single player you guys were high on because that's ridiculous. So it's, you know, you guys could have taken someone at eight and they went nine in the other leagues, but where there was significant difference, where there was significant difference and, and league one had two players inside the top 10 that you guys were astronomically higher on uh, win based on value one, was Noelvi Marte, who went four in yours, and Noelvi went eight, ten, and ten in the other ones. Which, by the way, I took Noelvi in one of these, um, so that was high. And then Eric, you kind of talked about it. You maybe regret Zach Veen a little bit. Zach Veen went pretty decently higher, nine, where he went twelve, twelve, and eighteen. So that, I guess it's not astronomical, but it's enough of more than two or three, you know, when you're talking about a first round of 12 round of 12 picks, a quarter of it was higher nine for Zach Veen here. So Noel V and Zach Veen cross any thoughts on both of those guys going higher here. Cause I, you know, maybe, maybe ironically or not both massive players you have tied yourselves to, and they were the highest in this league. Yeah. Well, if you go according to my rankings, that Marte was a value. Cause I have, I have Marte third overall. Um, love it. You know, I, I have, yeah, kind of hitched my wagon to these two guys, and uh, and then Hassel being another one, which I again I wish I would have taken Hassel, but um, yeah, saying so being going 12, 12, 18. So I guess my second pick being number 16 could have had a shot. I'm not sure how maybe if you would have went, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I'd say maybe 50 50, but uh, yeah, okay, so you're in agreement. So then, Scott. Uh, what do you think about both of those guys in, in the high level that they went? Zach Veen inside the top 10, Noel V at four here. Are you game for that, or do you think it's a little too high? Well, I think I'd probably need to look, know a little bit more about B. Welch 21. I mean, he could be a huge Mariners fan. He, he must love Noel V. Marte there at four. Uh, I think he's definitely definitely top 10, and if he's in the 8-9 range, I think that is kind of you know 7-8-9 maybe where – could fall on average. I think four is a little high for him. 
Um, and then the other one, uh, Zach Veen, I think he's right there in the same ballpark with me, you know, at the turn, first, second round turn type of pick, uh, depending on if you're in a 12 man league, you know, 10, 11, yeah, where Eric took him at nine. I have no problem with that. Yeah, I'd say if I had to pick, the Veen one just doesn't sit as well with me. Marte's fine. I think there's this tier that exists. Like, I don't have him inside my top five, uh, but does he belong in that close tier? Of course. I think it's a big tier. Uh, Julio and Bobby Witt, they exist in their own universe. And then I think there's seven or eight guys that kind of encompass this other range between, I mean, I prefer uh, Riley Green, Brennan Davis, uh, CJ Abrams over guys like Noelvi, but I think he exists in that Torkelson, Rushman with those guys tier. Veen just doesn't for me. I'm closer to the 20s on Veen, so inside the top 10 feels a little bit high just in my world, but you know this is where he went the highest. Here are three other guys inside the top 50 that went the highest here. Marcelo Meyer went in the second round, 16 overall in your guys' league. Khalil Watson went 29 overall, which that was a big one in the third round. And Pedro Leon, 37 overall. All three of those players, the highest of anybody by pretty good margins out here. Prospect one. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, Scott, let's start with you on this one. Do any of those guys stand out as that is too high or maybe even too low of those three? I would never take Pedro Leon right there at 37. Jeff took him right before I took Nick York. He must love Pedro Leon and, and that's cool. And he might be one of his favorite prospects. And he may even think he got a little deal on him thinking maybe he could be third round guy, but uh, he took him right there at the beginning of round four. I think that is, is definitely a little bit high. Um, you know, Eric with Meyer at 16, uh, you know, I, I probably would have taken Casas ahead of Meyer. Um, but you know, I, I think there's a lot of helium with Meyer. He's by the way, Chris, you, I bet, you know, he's coming up in 2021 Bowman draft Meyer. Yeah. Cause be, he's not in, oh, wait, was he? Yeah. He is in draft. Absolutely. Yeah, he's be one of the big chase cards. So Everybody. If you send your Jordan Lawler's my way, by the way, get ready for that. Cause I think D backs and um, Red Sox will probably be, Two of the highest Unfortunately for me. Unfortunately. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we love Marcelo Meyer here in Red Sox Nation. Eric got him because he wanted to get him. And I have no problem with that. Uh, maybe in some in your other leagues, he did fall a little further. Cross, uh, Cross what do you think about the Casas over uh, Meyer argument? 
I think that's a legit one. That's a real one. It's legit. I love Tristan Casas. I have him in the mid twenties right now, and I saw him a ton, 15, 20 times this year in Double A. So I definitely love Casas. But I, I did go Meyer there at sixteen because I have comped him to Corey Seager with a little bit of speed. I think he's gonna be that good, plus hit, plus power, average speed type of guy playing shortstop, which I think he is the heir apparent. They'll probably by the time Mayer's ready in what three or years or so. Probably move bogey over to third, first, wherever it may be. Um, so yeah, I just love that that profile there. Um, yeah, I am I'm all in on Marcel Mayer. I think he's gonna be the real deal. Were any of these then? I mean, you're obviously not gonna say Mayer. By the way, you representing <laughs> uh, two of the top three highest uh, in value. But Mayer, Watson, Leon. Does anybody stand out as too high here? Uh, Leon, uh, Watson. I like. I have Watson ranked right around there, give or take a couple. His so ADP I, I, wasn't too far off of that, by the way. Just want to let everybody know Watson's uh, all these guys within, yeah. but you know, Watson and Leon specifically, this was higher enough where it was almost a full round ADP was lower just about on these guys. And by the way, I just want to agree as you keep going with Leon. I just said this with James. I'm just not as much of a Leon guy. I've always been timid about him and I've been cautious. And I feel like after a lot of what was seen again, it's the fall league, but what was seen, I think my cautiousness makes more sense, but not many of these guys represent the proximity that Leon does. And I think that's a yep. big marker on why people are comfortable taking him inside the top 40, which I'm really not going to hate on that much. It just, it was high. Yeah. And, and I like Leon. There's a very intriguing power speed blend there. He made, you know, great improvements month to month before he, he got injured, which was very unfortunate timings. He might've been up helping them out down the stretch and into the postseason run. But yeah, it's, I think this is still too much risk for me. In this profile, even though he did make improvements and he was kind of shaking off the rust after the two-year layoff, I think this is a little too much risk with that the hit tool and the, and the approach and, the, and that profile for me. So I, I would have taken him like you know if you went ten or twelve picks later, I would have been I would have loved it. But yeah, that was just a touch high for me. You know what, uh, he, Chris? You know what these highs and lows uh, say to me? It, it, it's it gives me a big question about my own drafting because I am not high or low on any. <laughs> player none of these players in your lows and highs are on my team so i guess i'm just always somewhere in the middle and somewhere in the middle and, and you know and sometimes that that pays off that's a big roto strategy is not being too high or low and buying value but this also i think to some degree gives you there's not a one for one because there's a couple guys in the lows that i'm shocked about but it shows you the um you know, the, the boosted up rocketed guys in value. And it shows you some that might be falling down the, the other highs, by the way, these were all inside the top 100 that I pulled. You guys had some others, but I just wasn't, can spend all day talking about them. Uh, but you had Daniel Espino who went 68 in the sixth round in your league, Benny Montgomery, 66 in yours. And by the way, let me pull up Benny, because I want to say that was a pretty, pretty big one. Yes. This was one of the biggest ones where he went outside the top 100 in every other draft and he went 66 in the one that you guys were in. So you, you had to put me in the one draft where I couldn't get Benny. Uh, apparently, like, you know, we just had this discussion, you know, you and I, I are know. both very high in Benny. I think, I think that's, I think that's a good spot for him. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's still high. Like, Unfortunately, I always live in this world when I think of outside the top 100 and I see him at 60. I'm like, I actually think I personally have him around the 80. So I think that's the, you know, the middle is the ground here. But when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be picking on Eric. This is another guy that Eric took. And it wasn't you. It wasn't no, you. Surprisingly, no, I, yeah. I would have taken him if Brett Beatty wasn't still there. At, I think 64, he had two picks before that. 
I remember having Benny second in my queue. I'm like, all right, if Beatty falls, I take him. If not, I take Benny's. I love Benny. We're going to talk about Benny in a second. But Eric, Eric, the big question here, yeah, you took Brett Beatty, right? Two picks before Benny Montgomery. If Benny Montgomery didn't get selected right there, you love him, but are you taking him in round seven? You know, at at, where's your seventh pick? 81 overall? Who do they take? I don't know. Uh, Seventh round, I took Colton uh, Colton Cowser. That would have been a really hard decision. Pick yep. for me as I, I have loved Colt Calliser too. <laughs> well, remember in our first year player draft, we just did. If you guys go back yeah. and listen, go back and listen. Uh, freaking Eric on the sheet <laughs> writes Colton Cowser in, I think. And, and I, I'm like, I wrote, uh, I wrote, did I write Benny Montgomery? No, no, I, yeah, yeah. You wrote, he wrote Benny, and I'm like, great. And I write in Colton Cowser because we were doing it before we start talking. And then Eric goes, all right, with my pick, I'm going to take Colton Cowser. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? I'm like, you just took my guy. I, I wrote I it in. That, I felt to update the sheet. I was looking at the sheet. Yeah. So to your point, they're like right next to each other. But also, it's a great point that Scott brings up. Like, if, I mean, I guess you didn't have the historical data, but yeah. the historical data and odds would have told you getting him an 80 was a no brainer based on the other three leagues. They went past 100. Yeah. Uh, the other guys after Benny, Wilman Diaz, all yours got your guys' sixth round had five, uh, four players drafted astronomically higher in that spot than any other place uh, because Wilman Diaz in the sixth went 71. Eddie's Leonard in the sixth round, 72. And then finally in the seventh round, Ellie De La, Ro- uh, De La Cruz went 76. Those were all players that were, like I said, very much higher in your leagues than any other spot. Uh, they, they have varying degrees of ADPs, but I think some of those guys were even outside the top 100. Uh, any comments? Is there one guy that you loved or hate? Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. One guy you loved or hated in the highs that you thought, again, should be higher or lower? I of think, all those names, I, just I think Diaz needs to be a little bit lower based on what we saw, you know, from him in in his uh, debut season here in the in the rookie league. So, seventy one's high for me on him. Uh, what do you up. think, Eric? Uh, man, I ask you a question. How is sixty eight the highest on Espino? What were the other picks on Espino? Yeah, let's take a look here. Uh, I think sixty eight's a damn steal. Uh, mm, see, I don't think it's a steal. I love, I love this. I have a speed on the forties in my ranking. So, well, I, oh, <laughs> but see, okay, but see, now you're getting, you're getting into it. I think a bigger, bigger philosophical pitching uh, argument, and this yeah. is something I argue. And this is something a little bit I argue with the uh, Yuri Perez type of stuff. Is we, 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 everybody gets like infatuated and we fall in love with these pitchers, but. When you guys, when you guys, I'm, I'm not saying you, but like as a, you know, a, a royal, you to everybody, when you guys go out and, and you take that picture that you have to have and you take them in the 30s or 40s, I can get sometimes a better picture or a picture with maybe a degree lower of value past 100 sometimes because of, because what happens is everyone says, I got to have this guy. And then everyone's like, I don't want too much pitching. So then all of a sudden pitching falls. I always side I would love to have all the super fun pitchers, but unless, and this is the argument for what Eric might be saying, unless you think a player is a game changer, you think that, you know, the only thing that can stop them is Tommy John. Okay. Then you go in and reach. I love Espino. Um, he's actually like a, he's one of the nicest kids too. I like, I've been around him a bunch in the complex. He's got a huge fastball. One of my best memories of, I, I have like cool memories with prospects. It was the day before he was going to throw in rookie league ball. And I went up to him and I was talking with him and I said, when are you going to throw? And he's like, I'm throwing tomorrow. And he's like, it's in, um, it's in Goodyear in the stadium. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, are you coming? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I hope he's like, you should come. And I'm like, 
I kind of want to come now, Danielle. Like you're getting me all excited about it. Unfortunately, breaking news, I didn't get to go. I wasn't able to get out there, which is super sad. Uh, that's all beside the point that I love Espino, but you know, where how where and how far off do you value him against, let's say, Kyle Harrison? Um, you know, he he has, you know, an exceptional fastball and 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 whatnot. How about some of the rookies? Uh, Gunnar Hoagland, who's going to be returning from injury, Gavin Williams. I mean, those guys are going outside the top 100. So that's just me on a little soapbox for a minute. But Daniel Espino's ADP was 79. Not 79. Yeah. So so in your eyes, market is not caught up. This is a way that you can take it, is the Eric Cross equation. The market is not caught up to Eric Cross's value of Daniel Espino, and he is a buy because that is the market value of him. Eric, he went 73 in one league, 98 in another and 91. I think this is a guy that legit within the next year and a half could be the number one pitching prospect in baseball. I think he's at that type of ceiling. He's got, he's got the stuff. The command is taken up. He's in Cleveland. You got to feel good about that. Like maybe I wouldn't feel quite as good if he was out in, I don't know. What's the, uh, the angels org. That's the org I always go to (laughs) the Rockies. Yeah. Yeah. The Rockies, but yeah, Cleveland, this stuff still young, already made improvements. I am like 100% on board this this hype train. Eric, I, I, I remember talk like that about Espino before he was drafted in 2019. You know, yeah. saying that this guy could be a, a top pitching prospect. And and that's a couple years away. Uh, I mean, it's a couple years ago at this point. But uh, yeah, you're, you're talking like uh, he's that guy. He can be that guy. I think he definitely could be. Yeah, I think he can. I think he's outside of the conversation of that tier that exists with like the the Hancocks and the Sixtos and stuff. But I think he can get there this year. So you know, I and I, I can applaud you being up on him. I think his big key is always consistency and secondary pitches and how effective they're all going to be. His fastball is elite. It's plus fastball that you know he could go the way of Jack Leiter at the you know, and he's a young kid. He's you know, I, I'm with it. I'm with it. So that's the one that uh, you pick, Scott. Did you pick who? Uh, where were we at here? Did we pick both of them? Our favorite or least favorite in the highs that you thought should or shouldn't be there? Did yes, you guys both pick? I, I believe I did. Okay, yeah, Eric, because you picked the Spino. Okay, now let's go to the lows for your league. This is the guys that you uh, the best value, if you will, or your league was just sitting on. The number one player, and this one is still a shock to me. I'm, I'm just—I don't think I've quite caught up. Uh, James and I spent a decent amount talking about this guy. O'Neill Cruz went the lowest in your league. Now, if we had started this before, and you had told me 28 will be the lowest he went, I would have went, "Huh?" I would not have fully comprehended that, but that is the case. And I would cite again, really good conversation James and I had on RotoWire, especially towards the end of it on O'Neill Cruz, where he makes this fantastic point too of how this small sample size of, again, he could be the next you know big bat, incredible, everything could work out, but he's very driven by around 40-something at-bats between AAA and the major leagues. That is driven the hype train, which also exists inside of Steamer. Steamer is heavily projected on him. High batting average, 19 homers, 13 stolen bases on this year. I mean, projecting through the roof of a guy that was probably not more than top 50 for most people. And I'm telling you, 28 is the low that he went. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, let me pull him up here, had an ADP inside the top 20. Inside the top 20, went as high as 9 
And oh, you know what? I actually screwed this up. There's actually even a lower one, but I still want to have this conversation with you guys. Uh, 28 and 32 are the two lows. Scott, talk to me about O'Neill Cruz and where you think the value is because he is going through the roof. Well, I, I think that I, I think it's right around there. It's interesting. I was just looking at my prospects 1500 uh, overall rankings that we did last month in October. 26 of my writers each submitted top 100s. O'Neill Cruz came in at 40th. Mm. But what's interesting is that he was ranked as high as 19. I had him at 20. And someone had him as low as 93. So when we aggregate all the points, the total points that he got came in around 40th. 28th in this draft seems like right around where, you know, I think it's good value. Like I said, I have him at 20th on my own list. So, you know, it's, I think it's good value for him. Cross, what do you think? I mean, you know, I, one of my arguments has been like, hey, listen, like I've seen enough in the O'Neill Cruz. He's a big bodied guy with huge power. He makes it look e easy because he's almost got this lackadaisicalness to him. He can steal some bases. I don't know how long that'll fully go through. But also, I think, you know, minor leagues pitch it to a guy like him is something else. You know, imagine being a 19 year old kid and seeing a six foot seven shortstop in the box, you know, who covers a lot of the plate. And if you make even a half of a mistake, he's going to be able to crush it out. Uh, I just guess I've never been in the elite category of O'Neill Cruz and he's moved into that. Are you in elite O'Neill Cruz range with it, Cross? I'm not. I'm probably the the range below that, which I guess would be what very good range i think he's a very good prospect he can be an above average major league shortstop offensively maybe make some all-star teams i think he's a, that type of potential um but yeah i'm not putting him elite I, I do have him currently at 22 overall like right between uh, hedbert perez and josh young uh, and tyler soderstrom's in that range as well so i guess that's that's a decent range over i think you says adp was around 20 years or Top twenty. So yeah, it's actually technically nineteen. That's uh, fair. Yeah. So I I have him three spots below that. So yeah, fair range. I wouldn't go top ten on him. Um, I, I know the you know he's the upsides there. The frame is there. The you know the batted ball data is there. But I'm not quite ready to go top ten on him. What I'm hearing is that our league's low at twenty eight is probably where we think he should be, kind of, and that the other leagues are getting him a little bit too high. I was hoping he'd fall to me at 30, was it 33? I, I remember sitting there and I had him and I think a few others in my queue. And I was like, man, I really hope O'Neill Cruz follows me. He's at 33. I think that's a really good value. Agreed. And you said, Scott, you, got, you said, said he had him at 20. So yeah, I was really hoping he'd fall, but not no dice. Two uh, industry guys were the ones that took him as well. Uh, here are your other lows. I'm going to not say the last two because I want to talk about them for a minute. And then we're going to plow through a few other things. Who were some other guys that you guys were lowest on? Fourth round, Brian Rocchio. Fourth round, 43 overall, lowest of anybody. Brett Beatty, lowest in this league. Uh, you got him in the sixth round cross at 64. Joe Ryan in the eighth round. You want to talk about proximity pitching and whatnot. He went 85 overall. And this is one of the, let me, I'm going to pull this one up uh, because I think this was also one of the biggest gaps I've seen of a player in all of these. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Jordan Groshans, who had a high of 39 and a low of your league of 91, 91. So of those guys, does anybody stand out of um, they should not be as low as possible? Cross, let's start with you. I mean, I, I imagine you're going to say Beatty because you took him, but Rokio also 43. Yeah, Rokio was great value there. Uh, he, I think he just because he doesn't have that one 
wow tool. He doesn't have huge power, huge speed. I think he kind of just flies under the radar, but even though he is valued as a top 50 prospect, but I think this is a really good, he could be above average across the board, but I think he just flies under the radar because of the lack of the wow tool. So I think he, that was great value on him. Obviously, I love the Brett Beatty value there. I think actually you mentioned the uh, the Jordan Groshans range. I'm actually, I have Jordan Groshans right around, I have to look it up, but I know it's somewhere within five picks either way of 91. I saw him a few times live this year. Decent bat. I just, I think we really over overhyped him, overvalued him in, over the last year or two. I think he's maybe best case scenario, 55 hit, 55 power, but maybe even closer to 50 in both of those. So. Yeah, I think that Groshans range, I think I'm closer to the 91 than the 39 for sure. I have him lower than the lowest uh, went in this. Scott, uh, do any of those guys, uh, Groshans, Ryan, Beatty, Rocchio, do, do any need to be a lot higher in your eyes? No. Um, you know what? I I saw Jordan Groshans also a couple times, double uh, A this year. I just wasn't so impressed. And, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't even know that I'd have him, like when I redo my own personal ranks, uh, preseason. I don't know if I've got him top 100, um, but I had him, I had him in the sixties, I think when I did my rankings before. So where he comes in at, uh, at 91 here is a low, I think it's good value. And um, Joe Ryan, you know, at 85, you know, that's, that's a pick right before me. Jeff wanted proximity. He wanted the guy that's, you know, been in the majors will be in the majors I wasn't taking Ryan there. I was going with Yuri Perez with my next pick, but I was looking at more ceiling and, you know, more potential future upside. And that's just a difference of, of uh, opinion there. Yeah. Uh, these were the two lowest that they just, they blew my socks off. They floored me on how low they were. One was Bryson Stott, who was taken 123. 123 he went uh essentially in the 80s uh, between literally about an eight pick difference in all the other leagues between 80 and 90 i definitely took him in one of them but 123 and then vinnie pascantino 132 where he went 80 in two of the leagues and then he went like 100 something in one of them as well both hyped players vinnie pascantino is going to get the big big bump this offseason also i mean i've had you know, uh, contact through uh, Royals people that love him almost more than anybody outside of Bobby Witt, of course. Like, I've heard and been told a Pascantino over Prado thing, which obviously would hurt my soul with how much I love Nick Prado. <laughs> Those jumped out to me. Eric, did they jump out to you as much as they did to me outside the top 100, Vinny P and Stott? Uh, Stott more so than Vinny P. I like Vinny P. Actually, I have him around like 105 overall. So, uh, I wasn't like a huge drop for me. I probably would have taken him, but there's players I had ranked higher that fell to me. Same thing with Stott, too. I have Stott in the 70s or 60s, or in a 68 right now with, with Bryson Stott in my ranking. So, yeah. but it's just, just another case of there was players that fell, like Colton Kowser and the Beatties and Mirandas that just pushed you know my other guys further down my board. So I, I didn't end up taking him, even though the value was absolutely insane. Like I said, Pasquatino, I think, was in that general range for me. I'm a little higher than that, but yeah, Stott was an absolute steal. I, I wish I could have taken him, but other guys I had ranked higher. <laughs> yeah, Scott, did that jump out to you at all? Pascatino and Stott both outside the top 100? Yeah, absolutely. I've got him ranked myself like 97, 98. And, you know, I already mentioned this. I won't belabor the point. You know, I could have had Pasquantino right there at 131, right yeah. before 
right before Jeff, but I passed on him and uh, yeah, good for him for taking him right there. Stott, tremendous value. Yeah, I'm <laughs> based on my ranks. I, the December update will be fun when people get to see. I'm very can, much can in you, on Stott. Can you hint? I don't, I don't know if you can want to say exactly where. Oh, but... Inside the top 50. He's, okay. Yeah, easy inside the top 50. I mean, like, you know, I, I feel it's dangerous. It's dangerous with AFL stuff, but I just saw so much of him and so many at-bats and his approach. It was bad. It was bad pitching, but God, that dude just doesn't get fooled. And he's got rocket power when he picks it up. He was stealing bases out here. I, he's got great tutelage around him, good friends with Harper. I, I think there's just so much working in his favor. I really like Stott, and I think he's one of the most underrated prospects. I think he, uh, I think he could slot in nicely in that number two hole right in front of Harper in that line. I think that'd I think be an ideal spot for him. Two. Yeah, it's a yeah. great point. I think it's a quintessential two. And I think you know you start to look at some of the guys that you know we have in the 30s and 40s, and it's like give me the big you know give me the big differentials between them. I think the biggest argument against Stott is going to end up being probably impact power. I think that's you know that was something that. I had talked. I had talked to Jeff Pontus about that uh, when he was out here in the fall league, and he was like, uh, you know, I like Stott. He's like, but you know, he's not having any quality to the at bat. Like, you know, there's great singles and he's hitting some doubles, but there's no real power. And then like that day, I think he said that Stott hit a homer, and then the next day Stott hit another homer. So it was, just, <laughs> it was like just for Jeff, I think it was. Um, I want to just plow through a couple other things here because this has been a really good conversation of the highs and lows on uh, Vinny P and Stott. Your guys' top four picks were interesting because they were a little bit different probably than most ranks are going to look like Julio was number one Witt was number two which is not a surprise I think Julio went number one in three of the four drafts Witt was number two but Brennan Davis ended up being the number three in your league and Noelvi was number four that's that's quite a little difference I think in how more ranks uh, work out the ADP itself had Julio Witt and not those guys. Actually, neither one of those guys, Noelvi or Brennan Davis, were inside the top five. Rutschman ended up being the number three. Torque was number four, and Abrams was number five. Any comments on, especially Brennan Davis getting that push, Scott? I think that they're all like right there, top-tier guys. Uh, maybe aside from from Julio and Bobby Witt, you've got you know maybe interchangeable pieces between you know Marte and, and Davis and Torque and you know, green and, and Rushman. I, I think I, I've got Rushman third. I definitely think he's, he's right after those top two, but I'm not arguing with, you know, Alex FM for taking Brandon Davis and B Welch 21 for taking uh, Marte there. They wanted like their every guys time we hear this B Welch guy, people are thinking yeah, it's like I mean, my alter ego. It's like, it's not, it's Welsh. <laughs> B Welch, Welch. Welch 21. We'll give him the shout outs. Yeah. Give him the shout outs. Um, anything on Brennan Davis cross when you see him comes in at number three, I think that's where James has him and he ended up going three in your guys's first off, just admit that's your burner account, dude. Just, admit I know that. be Welsh. Yeah, 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 exactly. Not the Welsh not, 64, not, not C Welsh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Welsh. There'll be an a Welsh. Uh, yeah. Use the Welsh thing too. In F- there. First initials, one letter off. The last name's <laughs> one letter off. You know, I see right through it. Yeah. Right. No, no, I didn't. I'm totally not drafting in all these leagues. I swear to God. Yeah. Um, that'd be funny if you were just had yeah, like know, burner accounts, but uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't call any, like I said, you know, I think we both kind of echo this uh, Chris that wit and J rod, whichever way you have them, that's tier one. And then yeah, tier two is pretty massive for me. I think oh, maybe there's a slight, you know, tier within the tiers, but like my three through 12 right now, like, I wouldn't fault anybody. Like, I have Richmond yeah. and Torque nine and 10. Like, um, just because I I love 
Rob, uh, Robert Hassel. I love Brennan Davis, C.J. Abrams. I have Riley Green for Noelvi Marte three. Just you can mix, mix and match those any mm-hmm. way you want to. But yeah, I wasn't surprised. Like Brennan Davis, love you know, love the profile. He's probably gonna be up midsummer for the Cubs, and you know, probably be one of their building blocks for the next you know Cubs team here um, as as I go through this rebuild. So yeah, didn't, didn't really surprise me much at all. Okay, a couple quick things. Uh, I'm going to get us into overtime a little bit. We were going to try to stick it an hour. We're going to go a tiny, tiny bit over because I want to give you a, a couple pieces and then I want to end on a debate that I've got here. So here's a couple other interesting things. Uh, the first-year player, so for first-year player drafts and values, there this is where your guys' top five was, and we'll compare it against what the ADP worked at. So the top five first-year player guys, Marcelo Meyer was number one, and he went 16, obviously. Khalil Watson was number two as far as first-year player guys go, going 29 overall in the third round. Jack Leiter was number three uh, to Scott. You guys actually both represent uh, each one of the first-year player guys taken. Jack Leiter, 35 overall, so he was three as far as first-year player goes. Jordan Lawler, four at 39. By the way, Jordan Lawler's my number one, Homer. And number five, Henry Davis at 58 overall. So a pretty big difference, like... Meyer was drastically ahead of kind of the next tier. And then there's a little tier in the third, fourth round. And then Henry Davis goes. That compares to the overall ADP first year player, which number one on the ADP is Marcelo Meyer. So he's number one. Number two, Jordan Lawler. Number three, Jack Leiter. Number four, Watson. And a guy that didn't go in your top five, Brady House is number five. That's how the top five, as far as ADP drafting goes for first year player. Any thoughts there cross? I mean, I'm much more in line with the ADP since I have Lawler at number one. I felt like Lawler really fall in, in, in yours and house ends up being the fifth guy over Henry Davis. Yeah. With Jordan Lawler, he's, I think he's a lot closer to Marcel Mayer than a lot of the people think. Obviously the injury sucks. It was very ill timed injury. Not that there's ever a good time for an injury, but I got, absolutely sniped on him. I picked 40 when I ended up going six to Sanchez wanted lower theirs. I have him as my number two, basically almost one B to mayor's one. A, I think we echoed the same thoughts on, on lower huge, huge upside there. So um, the rest of it didn't really surprise me though. I'm a little lower on lighter as I have him sixth in my FYPD rankings. He went third here. I like uh, lighter in general, um, but yeah, I'm yeah, surprised. He was ha- the third in the ADP too. So. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised House, especially with the way he performed end of the year, and there's been a lot of helium around House in general. I am surprised that he did, he was not one of the top five FYPD guys here. Yeah, hmm. I go same question uh, uh, for you, Scott. What did you think about I'm that? You know, yours versus the overall. I'm surprised Davis uh, fell down in the overall ADP and that he wasn't top five uh, for me. Um, that that I don't. I'm. You said is it injury related? Maybe a little bit, but. Um, I think catcher. Me, I think catcher as well. All right. To me, that's just a little bit surprising. Um, I feel good that I took lighter in the third, and that falls in line with the ADP yeah. as being the third uh, FYPD off the board. And uh, yeah, I think Lawler could have been a little higher. Yeah, I was surprised at that. Um, I'm going to throw out here's just a couple names I found very interesting that went inside your top 100 that to the it's it's very difficult talking to listeners because there are some like hardcore listeners that listen. Like you guys know readers and consumers of your content. There's some hardcore prospect people and you can say something. They'll be like, Oh yeah, I know all about that. Like you'll have people like tell you about, you heard of this guy that's 14 years old, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's a hardcore, but there's also 
you know, normal consumers that are coming in and trying to learn about it. Here's some names that might be interesting for someone maybe that is checked out that are inside the top 100. They went inside the top 100 that people might not realize are being valued as top 100 prospects. This happened in your guys's league. Kobe Mayo went 61 overall in yours. Top 100. Dustin Harris, 70. Eddie's Leonard, 72. Everson Pereira, 73. Ellie De La Cruz, 76. Johansky Noel, 83. And Yuri Perez, 86. These are all guys inside the top 100. Their values really have labeled them inside the top 100. Maybe people really need to be kind of ready for that these are top 100 guys. Do you guys agree on all fronts on all these players? Cross, we'll start with you. You look at all these. Do you, you agree like... Hey, everybody, wrap your head around Kobe Mayo is a top 100 prospect, almost top 50. Hey, Ellie De La Cruz is a top. I don't have Ellie De La Cruz inside my top 100, but do you think all these guys are top 100s that people need to be ready for? Yeah, or pretty close. So, look, so the seven guys here, four of them I have inside my top 100. That's Mayo, Harris, uh, Noel, and Perez. And uh, two of those I have high. I have Perez and Noel higher than when they get taken 83, 86. Mayo and Harris a bit lower than where they were taken. But the other three, Eddie's Leonard, Everson Pereira, and Ellie De La Cruz, I think I have in the, you know, at the lowest, like 140 or so. So, yeah, these are definitely all top 100 guys or close to it that have a real shot at breaking in. Yeah, all, all these guys, like the arrow and all these guys just pointed up with how they performed this year. Yeah, uh, Scott, what do you think? Mayo, Harris, Leonard, Pereira, De La Cruz, Noel, Perez, all inside the top 100. Do people need to understand these are top 100 guys? Or is there some that maybe just, you know, this draft, they went a little bit higher? I think they're all names everyone needs to know. They're they're either top 100 or close to it. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz may be the one person that uh, I think isn't quite there yet, but uh, could be really soon. So here's how we're going to uh, we're going to leave with a little player debate. And I wasn't ready to have this player debate, but then I saw them next to each other and I was like, oh, that actually is pretty fun. And I think depending who you listen to could go in other directions or maybe it'll be unanimous. And this might be one I might carry this over to all four of these because I think it's so fascinating. Jason Dominguez versus Josh Young. Dominguez went 18 in your draft, and then Josh Young went 19, both second-round picks. Jason Dominguez feels like he is on thin ground with prospectors that all he needs to do is just hit 250 for a month, and people are going to make him a 50 overall prospect, and he has to have a bad year this year. He's going to be outside the top 100. I've, I'm not sure I've ever seen prospect fatigue for an 18-year-old before, uh, <laughs> but we have it. I think we have it. Josh Young, proximity is there. It's a fantastic bat. Um, some injuries last year. He's had some injuries over the last couple of years, but, I mean, I think James has him inside the top 100. A lot have him inside the top 15. Josh Young versus Jason Dominguez. Scott Green, what say you? Josh Young for me. Um, do you think that the hobby fatigue has anything to do with prospect fatigue on – Jason Dominguez, I mean, he was the darling of like 2020 Bowman, I believe. Josh Young for me, close to majors, um, all day, every day. Cross, Jason Dominguez, I mean, beloved prospect child of, you know, all the future potential, the Martian, it's still there versus Josh Young, who's almost there. They're both 
teensy type of players as far as ranks go. Some might have them inside the top 10, but they have been working in opposite directions. And Josh Young, even though he was injured last year, 19 homers, 326 batting average, and just over 300 plate appearances. Josh Young or Jason Dominguez? This one is very easy for me. And if you asked me this a year ago, my answer today would probably have shocked me because I had these the rankings very different a year ago. It's Josh Young for me. I have Young... 23rd in my overall rankings. I think he's right around plus hit, plus power. The approach is phenomenal. I think he's a one of the highest floor prospects in baseball right now. And Dominguez, everything, all the video, I haven't seen him live, obviously. Yeah, I, I won't have a chance until he gets up to, to Scott and I's AA level here in the AA Northeast League, which might not even be till 2023. But every all the video I've seen hasn't impressed me. Every report I've read from people that have seen him live like, for instance, uh, Eli Fishman, who sees uh, this guy, kid sees a lot of Yankees prospects at all levels. Uh, he put him at 45 hit, 45 speed, and 60 power. So I have dropped Dominguez way, way down my rankings just because of everything I've read, everything I've seen. Uh, he, he's, for, he's flirting with falling on my top 50. That might seem a little drastic, but I just don't see him being as good or even nearly as good as we all thought. And obviously when... I forget what publication it was, was thrown out like, oh, let's compare him to Bo Jackson and Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle, like three of the best players we've ever well, seen. Well, the scouts. Game. Those are the scouts. The scouts yeah, put those on it. The scouts crazy. caused a lot of this. And Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's a Josh Young for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the I, I don't think the feeling is much different. Um, I can tell you on the ADP, Josh Young is above Jason Dominguez. Jason Dominguez went higher in yours. Jason Dominguez, 17. Josh Young, 14 in the ADP. be fascinating to watch what happens in the next round as we see 18-year-old prospect fatigue with Jason Dominguez. That was League One of the P1 ADPs. There's a gajillion other things we could talk about, but we don't need to spend all day doing it. And we've got four different leagues to do so. Scotty underscore base. Uh, I completely uh, blanked on it. It's Scotty underscore ball game. Scotty underscore ball game. What is going on in the prospects 1500 world, Scott, that everyone needs well, to know about? Uh, just recently, we uh, dropped our uh, hashtag to early MILB mock. We had uh, 20 different writers drafted 30 rounds, 600 prospects. Uh, we're going to have part that's on the site. Now we're going to have part two coming up very shortly, which is a look at the first year player draft prospects. Uh, just a spotlight on all those FYPDs. I've got a really cool photographer spotlight that's going to come out in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. I did one last year, putting the focus on some of our favorite photographers that are out there at the ballparks getting minor league player photos. And then our, our annual coming up in January, we'll have top 50s for every organization each day in January. Very, very cool. Cross, uh, what is going on, my man? I know you got some stuff I don't even know if you're talking about yet. Some <laughs> things. You got all the podcasts. What's in the world? Eric Cross, uh, Eric Cross04 on Twitter, obviously. All the pods over at Fan Tracks. What's, uh, what's in the woodworks here? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I've said before, like this might be the kind of dead or deadest time of the year for actual baseball, but it's like one of my busiest times of the year. I got I know. Uh, fantasy baseball black book work. Um, that's everything's due like the first of December. So that's coming right to a head here. That'll be out mid December. I think on the 15th on Amazon. So check that out. And yeah, tool shed. We're pumping along. We're doing two episodes a week now on tool shed as we kind of evolve to doing prospects, dynasty and redraft. So 
an extra episode every week for all of that content we want to get out. And then Fantrax HQ, we're pumping out tons of content still in baseball. Looks some 2021 review, 2022 look aheads. Chris, Chris Clegg started his position primers, already getting rankings out. Plenty of dynasty and prospect work as well. So yes, a lot of everything going on right now. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to big dogs in the industry. Thank you guys so much, Scott, Eric Cross. Thank you for taking part. You will absolutely be having me bug you probably in a month or so for the next round. Uh, but thank you for taking part. Thank you for doing all the good work that you do uh, for prospects and for everybody else. And thank you for taking time with me to talk about League One and the P180Ps. Gentlemen, have a fantastic one. And I will talk to you guys again soon. Friends, that is the episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and hanging out with us. And thank you to Eric Cross and Scott Green for making this happen. Coming up next week, you know, I don't have it fully booked, but I know James Anderson will be joining me. James Anderson at least will be one for League Two uh, that we're going to be breaking down for the P1ADP. So I know you guys are going to want to be in lockstep for that. Friends, also, this episode is brought to you by my buddies over at SidsGraphs, SidsGraphs.com, an incredible list of exclusive clients for in-person autographs, whether it's baseballs, bats, helmets, stuff, unique stuff you can't find anywhere else. Also the ability to send in. People will do custom artwork. You can get blown up posters and cards or photo, whatever it is. I mean, the ability that someone like Sidsgrass offers you is so unique if you really love some, if you love one of these prospects that he has and he's got incredible guys, big top names. He's had Wander Franco, Joe Adele, CJ Abrams, just recently working with Jaron Duran, Tyler Soderstrom, Nick Gonzalez. He's got even more coming up here in the near future. So go to SidsGraphs.com. You can check out all the awesome, incredible stuff he has there. SidsGraphs was written up in The Athletic about his relationship with Chris Sale as well. And you can follow him on Twitter at SidsGraphs and eBay at SidsGraphs if you want to follow all the rest of the stuff. And thank you to Dennis for his support of Prospect One. And thank you guys to, uh, for all your support as well. You guys subscribing to Prospect One, sticking around throughout the season means a ton. And I hope you guys continue to do it as we spend December breaking down and having lots of conversation about, you know, these valuation changes that are going on. That's kind of the big thing that these P180Ps expose as well, is for us to just continue the conversation, you know, now as things are gone, you know, Fall League is gone. I'm a little bit sad that I, you know, I'm not at the stadiums and seeing the guys play, but it'll come right back. And I know you guys did enjoy the episodes. Thank you so much for lots of kind comments. People like, hey, that Austin Wells interview was fine. It's like, sure, (laughs) it was okay, but it's a big jam-packed episode we had in the last one. So there's some player interviews for you guys to go check back with. We've got tons of these for the rest of the month. And then in January, we're almost going to be right back in it, you know, assuming there's baseball. That's kind of the dark side of all of this right now is the pending work stoppage and what that's going to do. And even so much, I was talking with Bobby Miller of the Dodgers. I was like the last second to last day before the, I remember it had been the championship day. I just don't remember. It was one of the last two days and I was talking with him and said, hey, are, well, you know, what's the plan? Does this feel good? What's the plan for the offseason? He says, I'm going to go work out and then I'm going to be back here for spring training in January. And I was like, as long as there's like, you know, baseball and no work stoppage. And he was like, oh, he's like, I forgot about that. He's like, yeah, that's a good point. And it's like the players are not even as in tune to it. And these are the guys that are affected the most, you know, much like society. The very top end that is pushing, you know, this, these work stoppages on both sides, the middle and bottom get affected the most. And there's a lot of prospects who, you know, in their minds, they are dead set to, this is what I'll do. I'll do my off season. I'll be out spring training and I'm going to fight for a job. Don't know if they'll have the ability to, you know, I don't really know the rules. I don't know the rules of what will be allowed while everything is stopped. Will these guys be allowed to come out? Will, you know, will they do kind of workouts on the side? Will they be at facilities? I'm not hundred percent sure. And I don't know if the players do as well, but their mind is to keep going. 
Uh, side note, of course. Uh, so make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast, Prospect One, on your favorite podcast app in this league.com. If you want to do a little bit further, you can support. You can be involved in all of the In This League stuff, or you could just kind of lock into the prospect side, which has got the Prospect One Top 500 sheet. We've got a Prospect One Group Me room. We've got some other stuff like um, the Breaking Room, Card Collector's Room. I'm doing an event this Friday, a Break This League event, where it's one of my favorite, favorite um, sets. It's the Heritage Minor League, and I got a full case of it where we're going to be breaking some teams and a little bit of a player draft and opening all those cards. And I've got some incredible giveaways. One of them, well, giveaways slash raffles. One of the raffles is going to be for a Bobby Witt autographed futures game jersey, which is incredible. That's really cool. Plus, we got some a couple giveaway items. We got a couple more raffles, breaking some cards. We do it every single month. That's part of the Patreon. That's a little extra exclusive if you dig that. That is all that I have for you. Thank you to Eric. Thank you to Scott. Thank you to Dennis for his support. And thank you to you. You guys have a fantastic week. And I will talk to you guys again with James Anderson for P180P League 2 Breakdown next week. I'm Chris Welsh, and I'm out of here. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.